0: Hi, you guys. I'm Cat, and I hope you come hang out with me on Cat Sadler now. On my weekly podcast, I continue to ask the questions. I've been interviewing people for more than 25 years now, but that doesn't mean I found all the answers. Make sure to listen to Cat Sadler now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. We are diving into another Entrepreneur Corner episode. In this series, I go through tips and tricks specifically targeted to those of you who are fellow content creators and business owners. Now, today may be helpful for any of you with a job of any kind, because honestly, what we're diving into is productivity tips by your Enneagram type. But first, let's talk a bit about HoneyBook. If you are in business for yourself and need a place to keep all of your invoices, contracts, client communication, lead reports, questionnaires, and so much more, you're going to want to check out HoneyBook. I use HoneyBook for all of that and more when I do workshops, incubators, or any sort of service-based offering. They've given you 50% off of your first year with HoneyBook. Just use the link in the show notes to access your free trial and then see if you want to move on and receive your insane discounted rate. Now let's talk productivity. I know we don't always associate our Enneagram type with how to be more productive, but it makes sense. We've developed all of these mechanisms to support our worldview that often limit our ability to get our work out into the world. I've spent years working with entrepreneurs who wanted to do more in less time, and pairing my understanding of work with habits with my understanding of the Enneagram has been one of the coolest tools that I have as a teacher. Today, we're just going to cover one major tip for each type, but there's much more where that came from. So we could do a part two of this sometime if you guys are into it. For now, let's dive into the types. So our type ones. So our type ones, you guys, your title says it all, right? You're the perfectionist, the reformer. What can often happen for our type ones, what can keep you from getting your workout into the world is that your refining process is never-ending, you know? It's not uncommon for our type ones to start building a website and much, much later, sometimes years later, they feel like it's not quite done. So my recommendation for you is that you really limit your refining process. The truth is that you're never gonna quite feel complete. It's never gonna quite feel ready. There is always something that could be improved, and often what can happen is that when the refining process gets stretched out, the improving starts to change, right? What you think was good copy when you started, when you felt like you finished that copy, by the time you finished the other aspects of the website that you thought you needed to refine, you go back to the copy and you feel like it's not as good as you would have liked for it to be. So it's really important that you set a deadline for when you're going to just put it out there. The idea here is right: progress over perfection, that's the key, but it's really not that simple for you guys, right? Like, yeah, great progress over perfection. I've heard it a thousand times before. I want to get my workout into the world. I want to do it, but it's not that simple because you can always kind of see the little tiny things that could be better. And so, while I think it is as simple as progress over perfection. I do also want to honor the fact that for you, that's not first nature, So I know it's going to take a little bit of practice. It's going to be a muscle you have to build. So what you're going to need to do is really set that deadline. When will you cut yourself off from refining and perfecting and just get it out there? And what you'll find is that as you do this, as you put things out there that don't quite feel finished to you, you'll notice that other people aren't aware. They're not talking about, they're not noticing All of the tiny little things that you think need to be improved, they're just not looking at it with the same set of eyes as you. So it becomes much, much easier to do over time. The first few times, it's going to be weird. It's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel vulnerable. But over the course of of time, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And then the last thing that I really want to encourage you to do in that process, when you send it out into the world, when that deadline hits and you hit send or you hit publish, what I want to encourage you to do is to say a parting kind word to everything you make. I want you to look at it with with the eyes of someone who sees the good. That way, you reincentivizing yourself to continue putting things out there, to continue taking risks, to continue completing your projects. So, what I want you to do um, is just say just say a little nice thing. So, like you write a blog post. Maybe when you when you go to hit publish, you feel like, oh, there's so much more I would like to do with this. It's not quite right. What if other people notice something that I didn't catch? Instead of that dialogue, I want you to look at it and say, wow, that sentence right there, that, that opening sentence, so good. So proud of it. The ultimate message of this blog post I know is going to impact the lives of so many people. And thank you for the opportunity to put this work out into the world. Send a parting work kind word to everything you make, and then you don't even ever have to look at it again. That's a choice you have, you know? If the temptation is there to go back and kind of critique and refine and potentially even like, I know a lot of you ones are like taking things down after you hit publish. Instead, release it into the world. It's no longer yours to worry about and then move on to the next thing. All right, for our type twos. Now my twos. I know that it is so tempting and so natural and so easy for all of your time to get filled up with the needs of others. It's almost like you don't like, you know, so with the twos that I've worked with, or the twos that I know, it's like not intentional, right? It's not always conscious. It's just kind of how things have always been, you know, it's just what you've always done. And so it can feel confusing to kind of start to separate that and start to work on your own projects, your own ideas, your own things, because you have all of these other people in your life whose needs seem so vibrantly obvious to you. And if their needs are obvious, then shouldn't someone step in and help them? And and so what I want to encourage you to do and I I want to I'm going to go back for just a second because I do want to say also that that doesn't always mean that you're not a business owner. A lot of times, you know, twos kind of get put into this position in language around the enneagram, like they're always a stay-at-home parent or they're always cooking or they're always cleaning, and that's not the two. That's not actually real for our twos, right? Like there are so many different variations and colors and shades of a twos, and what kind of ways that you find yourself helpful. It's there's a myriad of ways. But in business, what can happen is you can give your, you can give your clients all of that time and energy. You can forget to set healthy boundaries with the people you're serving in terms of your clients or um, potential clients. And then it can happen as well with like family and friends, but it's not always just like you have kids and your kids need your attention. Sometimes it's that you don't know how to set boundaries with the people who are paying you for their work because- you want to be of service, you want to be helpful. Um you want to do the right thing in that regard. And in a lot of times when we operate from the the place of I feel like I need to serve in order to be liked or loved or accepted, then that line of like what's appropriate to ask of me, um what time is my time, what time is your time, it can get really blurry and really confusing. So the most important thing that I encourage my twos to do in terms of productivity is to really unplug, to allow yourself to be separate from your phone, to not check your email all day, every day, to really create space in your time and in your life where you're not beholden to anyone or anything. Now, ideally, this would be multiple time, multiple hours throughout a day where you're given the space I also know that realistically, what might be more likely to happen as we build the habit out is going to be like one day a week. Um, whichever one you feel like you can do is totally fine because the truth is you're just so relational. So people in your life are going to take priority and it happens. But if you want to get things out there, if you want to get your work out into the world, you're going to have to learn how to be the one who decides how you use your time. Sometimes you're going to use that for other people. Sometimes you're going to use that for yourself, but you need to set the tone for when you're working on your projects and when you're working on the projects of another person. So what day of the week can you truly give yourself time to unplug and focus on your projects? Now, one thing that I will say is when I say unplug, to most type twos, they get a little like shiver, you know, like what do you mean unplug? What do you mean disconnect from relationship? What I mean is give yourself a little bit of time, you know, re- recognize that it's going to be okay. Everyone will survive without you. And it's a good thing if they do. That means that you have loved them well. And what I encourage you to do is really have a time, like you check your email in the morning, you check your email at the end of the day, and throughout the day, maybe you're inaccessible. That would be a great thing for you. Um, the other thing is if you feel like you can't turn your phone off, which quite frankly, I would encourage you to try to do at least once a week. But if you feel like you can't turn your phone off, at least put on do not disturb mode um, where you don't see a message or a call unless it's an emergency. So if you don't know, if you have do not disturb mode on and there is an emergency, if someone calls you three times in a row, it'll break through the do not disturb. So if there is kind of an emergency, you can be accessed, but otherwise... Um, you can be on your own. So that's my recommendation for our type twos, find a little bit of space where you cannot be found, where you're setting the tone for your workday. All right, for our type threes. So when I talk about productivity in my type threes, it's kind of a different conversation because type threes really don't always struggle with productivity. In fact, you would see that type threes um, have productivity as one of their strengths, but one of the complicated pieces that can happen for our threes is that you might find that you have kind of a natural rhythm in your energy. I kind of call it the, the energy roller coaster for our threes. Um, this is more, this isn't Enneagram teaching. This is just something that I know from coaching for several years, a lot of threes <laughs> and seeing patterns. Um, so what can happen is you get to this like very, very high energy. Where you feel inspired, connected, excited, you have all of the energy in the world to do the things you want to do, and then you kind of overdo that a little bit, and then you hit the slump. So you get down to you, you have like, and you're like, in, there's no inertia, right? Like, there's nothing to give, and you get down to the the pits where you just really want to not do anything. You want to numb out. You don't want to connect. You feel, um, you don't feel inspired. And what can happen in this space is that you start – type our threes can, like, abandon themselves in that process. And what I mean by that is they start to think, like, I'm never going to get my motivation back. I'm failing. I'm actively failing. I'm messing things up. What am I going to do? And I really encourage our, our threes think through the fact that, like, you are human, You are not a robot. You don't just show up the same every single day of your life. The fact that you're going to need to rest is totally normal and fine and acceptable and just part of having a human body. And so what I would encourage you to do is really when you hit that inspiration, that you think forward and you really prepare for the time that you're going to need to rest. So that way, when you get to the rest point, everything's taken care of. You've not gone radio silent. No one really knows um, that you have taken a break or that you're, you know, you've quieted because you've scheduled things out. You know, you have people on your team who are running things for you. Really prepare for the rest season. If you're in a situation. Where that's not available to you, right? Like if you're, you are employed by someone else, if your job needs you to show up every single day for some reason, then you might need to moderate your energy when the inspiration is there so that you don't get as intense of slumps. But either way is fine. Just really, it's all about honoring your humanity and allowing there to be fluctuation in the way that you show up and from your day to day. And really remembering not to abandon yourself when you feel tired or uninspired or disconnected. The mojo will come back, it always comes back. And you are loved and you are worthy, even in the even in the quiet times. Okay, so for our type fours, when we're thinking about productivity for our type fours, the most prevalent thing that I see in our type fours is they tend to follow their feelings when it comes to what they accomplish. So they wake up in that day and they go, how do I feel? And what can happen even is they kind of like follow their feelings throughout the day and the day that the feelings can drive the day, particularly for those of you who are self employed, because you don't have someone setting your schedule for you. And so you might wake up and you might feel like sitting on the porch and you might feel like sitting on the porch for three, four, five hours. Um, and that might be delightful, but it doesn't really serve your desire to get your work out into the world. So what I encourage you to do is to build in some routine. So um, it, can you find a time that you start your work every day? Can you make sure that you get dressed for work every day? And I say that to say that really, as a four, you have this natural access point to discipline and consistency through that line to type one. It's there. It's completely available to you. And actually, most fours really, truly thrive in routine. It's just building that routine out, realizing that some days you're not going to feel like showing up, but committing to yourself and showing up anyway. I think start small, right? Like don't say, okay, because this is the other thing that can happen to our fours is they can say, okay, cool. I'm going to build in some routine. So I'm going to develop this ultimate routine. I'm going to wake up at five in the morning. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to come home. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to journal. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do all the things. And then at night, I'm going to uh, meditate by the moonlight, you know, all the things from from morning to night. And then when the first sign of you not following through with that, you take that internally and and assume that like, you're not cut out for this. There's some, you don't have what it takes. And I want to avoid that by encouraging you to start small. It's not about creating a whole new fancy routine. Nothing like that. What it just means is showing up consistently for yourself and your goals every single day. So it can be as, as simple as I'm gonna get dressed in the morning. It can be as simple as I'm gonna start my day at 8 a.m. Um, it can mean be as because I'm gonna get out of the house and do this. Whatever works for you, just creating some consistency, some structure where you show up no matter how you're feeling that day. Okay, so for our type fives, So for our type fives, you may be tempted to keep studying, keep researching, and never quite feeling qualified enough to take radical action. I think this happens the most when our type fives move from the phase of I'm someone who does something. So I'm a photographer to I'm someone who teaches something, which a lot of type fives really should be moving in that direction because ultimately I see a lot of type fives really find that role satisfying. Um, but also because you are probably very informed and actually have a lot of wisdom to share that would benefit other people in your industry. So when you're in that phase of, I do the thing that I'm really good at, that I've studied and I really know And I want to start teaching it. I don't quite feel qualified enough to teach it yet. What can happen here is that that qualification never quite knows. Like what determines who's an expert at something, right? Like there's no governing force that's going to give you the certification that says like, yes, you are qualified unless you're going through like formal education or something along those lines. But really to, to call yourself an expert, I think is a very tricky thing for most fives. So what I encourage you to do instead is to think about who you were, where you were in your understanding like three years ago, and think about what you've learned since then and what you would share with younger you. That's all you have to know. You don't have to call yourself an expert. You don't have to call yourself um, the foremost expert, right? Um, other people might call you that, but you, you really just need to think about how can I help someone who's not as far as long as me get to where I am and really build out your action based off of that place instead of from the place of needing to know everything. Because I think a lot of our fives get scared of being caught without the answers. And, um, some of my favorite fives are the ones who look at me and they say, I don't quite know the answer to that. Let me do some research and I'll get back to you. That is honestly, like when I interact with someone who says that, it I build trust. I do see them as an expert immediately. They seem way more qualified to me because they're willing to talk to me about what they don't know. And therefore, when they tell me something they do know, I feel like, okay, I feel confident in that. And most fives are really good at that. So all of that to say, You don't have to call yourself an expert to take action. And in fact, you're going to have to take action before you feel ready. And the easiest way to do that is to think through what younger you needed to know to get where you are today. So hopefully that's helpful. So for our type sixes, our type sixes tend to get into this this place of needing approval or almost permission when they want to take action, they want to do something, they want to change routes or they want to do something new. they they kind of gather feedback from lots of different sources as almost like this attempt for someone to say, yes, go for it. You're the perfect person for this. It's the right thing to do. Or for someone to say like, no, it's not going to work. And I almost, I suspect, this is a suspicion because I'm not on the inside of the six heart of the sixes, but I suspect that what they're really hoping for is for someone to say, no, it's not going to work because then the risk is lower, right? Like, You can stay in that safety zone. But what happens when you ask feedback from so many people who have different life experiences, different worldviews, different backgrounds, it's confusing because they're all going to give you different answers. They're all going to have different opinions. They all have different opinions about what you can and should do. And that can really leave you frozen. You know, if you're asking 20 people for feedback and all 20 people are giving you different advice, like what do you do with that? So it's really important that you determine for yourself what you want and where you're going, what's your trajectory. And then ask two or three people to be kind of that counsel for you. And the the trick here is that they need to point you back to yourself, your own vision for where you're going, what you want. You know, ask people who are going to ask you good questions. Ask people to be on your council who are hundred on your team and and you can tell them what you want and what you're thinking of. In that way you're really getting pointed back to your own inner authority instead of giving that authority up to a bunch of randos. So um, limit your feedback. Our type Sixes really let it be guided by your inner authority and seek out counsel from just a couple of people who really know you and who really believe that you know what's best for you. All right. Our sevens, you are not for a lack of ideas, right? Like you have so many ideas, so many thoughts, so many things that could be done, so many potentials. All of them have bright futures. All of them are possibilities. And you may not always know when it's time to quit or when it's time to follow through. So because type sevens are driven by satisfaction, what can happen sometimes is you get a great idea, you start taking action on it and you start working on it. You go through it. You have a bad week where you feel like this is sucking the life out of me and you want to release that thing. You want to let that project go. And maybe the next week, it wouldn't have sucked the life out of you. But sometimes that feeling of the life being sucked out of you can be so unbearable that it can be a kind of like an impulsive move to just let it go. And so there's a couple of things that I want you to do. When you have all of these ideas, when you aren't quite sure how to, when to follow through and when to quit, I want you first to keep an idea journal. So just somewhere, it can be an idea note on your phone. You can text it to yourself. You can voice memo it to yourself. Um, you can have a physical journal, whatever it is. I don't care. Just a place where you write your ideas down and you can go back and reference them. That way, when you're you're in need of an idea or you have a little bit of time, you can go reference the idea journal, go back to it and see if there's something you wanna play with. But every idea you have doesn't need to happen right this second. Sometimes what can be confusing is this fear of like, well, what if I don't do it and someone else does? What if I don't do it and I miss out? This is my big opportunity. This is the thing I was supposed to do. The truth is that a lot of times the best ideas have been sat on for just a little while. You know, some of my favorite projects are ones that I had the idea for years before I took action on them. And that's okay. So sometimes you don't need to take action on the idea right away, put it in a safe place, come back to it when the time is right. The next thing is to commit for a period of time. So let's say you start a new project or a new business and you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to commit to this. Full stop no matter what obstacles come my way, no matter how it feels. I will stick to this for three months, six months, a year, however long feels right to you. And you will follow through and then you'll do a check-in and then you'll commit to another period of time. Um, I found this incredibly helpful as a seven myself when it comes to creating new projects or businesses, things that I thought, okay, I'm going to start this project. I'm going to give myself a year with it. There were, you know, there've been several times throughout the year where I thought like, I'm going to release this. I don't know if I can follow through with this. I don't know if this is feeling good to me. But then when I get to the year in check-in, I want to keep going. And I want to keep going because while yes, there were some hard days. At the end of it all, the sum of sum of all of its parts, it's been a good thing. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Really keep that ideal journal, commit for a period of time, and do a solid check-in with yourself and prepare for how much longer you would like to commit to it again. All right, for our type eights, the number one thing that can happen is that you are so aware of what could be more efficient when things are around you and how problems could be solved in every situation. So, what can happen for you guys that can get really distracting, right? Because you you might get sidetracked by the needs or the perceived lack in other people and kind of feel like you need to make sure that you're focused on um, solving those problems, you know, getting in there, fixing it everything, and it can create this distraction for you where you're so focused on the perceived lack in other people that you're not really focused on what you're working on and what really you're moving forward. The other thing is that you're so used to pushing through obstacles. It's not uncomfortable for you to do things the hard way. In fact, it might actually be more natural for you. So what's important is that you need to make sure that you allow yourself to do things the easy way. Yeah. Like, is there an easier way to do this? It's not lazy, right? Like, you know this, it's not lazy, it's efficient. And so I encourage you to stay in your lane, right? Focus on your stuff. Let other people do whatever they're doing on the side. And then, you know, try and do things the less hard way. Let yourself have the easy path for once. Our type nines. One of the big struggles for our nines is figuring out where to place your priorities. Each day you kind of wake up and you... You have this like list of things that maybe need to get done. Maybe you don't have a list, but you just know like there are things that need to get done, but I don't quite know what they are. And everybody seems to have a different opinion about what they should be. And it can be really disorienting. So what I encourage you to do is each day, just choose the three most important tasks that need to be done. Um, so you know, really get clear of like, what are the top three things? Like what What would make today a successful day? What has to happen and then start with the hardest one first. Get that one out of the way. And then the rest of the day is going to feel like a breeze, right? Like what can happen for our nines is like when you have a daunting task on your to-do list, you can kind of end up filling all of your time with the little tasks that actually make less progress, but take less of your mental energy or stress you out less or or feel less daunting. And then you actually don't make the progress on the big things. So what I would encourage you to do is flip that, do the hardest thing first, get it out of the way, and then the rest of your day is going to feel like a breeze. It's going to be so helpful for you too if you are out of your house by yourself. Being at home is going to be distracting for you because it's so comfortable um, that it's going to be really easy for you to kind of get into that space of like peace of mind, not wanting to kind of get out of your comfort zone. The other thing is that when you're with other people, it can be really distracting for you because other people have strong opinions. They have things they want to do. They have ways they want to do them, and they can almost accidentally set the tone of your day for you. And so it's important. And and just like the twos where I said, like, I would love for this to be something that you do every single day, but maybe at first you have to do this once a week, but I want you To be alone out of your house, prioritizing just three tasks every single day, doing the hardest one first. If you try that, I promise you, my type nines, it will be a game changer for you, and I want to hear about it. So let me know how it goes. Um, In general, you guys, I just really want to encourage you in this whole process of of productivity and, and business ownership to just be gentle with yourself. You know, remember you're human. Remember, it's normal. Remember that you are loved, even if you are not productive, and that you are worthy, even if you are still, but that if you do want to get some things out into the world, these might be helpful tips. I hope you found this episode helpful and were able to take away a few tips for enhancing your productivity. If you did enjoy today's episode, let me know by leaving a rating and review in iTunes. It helps me to get this podcast to more incredible listeners just like you. Until next week, I'll see you